0: it's Jenna and Matt here from Multiple Nerdgasm for our PAX East 2017 wrap-up episode, and we're joined by our friend James.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, James?
1: So, uh, my name is James, obviously, as Jenna said, a uh, huge gamer, have been for years. Uh, amateur board game designer in the process, actually, of starting a couple of companies in that vein. Um, so, PAX, to me, is as much a business venture as it is just kind of learning about all the cool stuff that's out there.
0: Great. Sweet.
2: Yeah, PAX East is the, the biggest of the PAXs, and I think it's actually the biggest gaming convention in North America now, uh, particularly because um, it's got tabletop and video games. I think it gets like double the numbers because of that. Uh, and I think the venue is actually physically the biggest. Is that correct?
0: I'm not sure about in the US. It's definitely almost double the size of PAX Australia, which we've done coverage of before. Yeah, The show floor itself is like more than double.
2: Yeah. Luke and I have been to PAX East before. That was three, four years ago. I think it was in 2013 we went. And I remember thinking it was big, like, compared to... Because I've been to PAX Prime. Uh, we'd been to PAX Oz at that point, I think. Uh, actually, I don't think... No, PAX Oz didn't exist at that point, did it?
0: No, I think that was just before. I think that was the first year.
2: Yeah. Uh, but I've been to PAX Prime, and I remember thinking PAX East was, like, huge. and But this year was even bigger. Like, there was not, there was no space anywhere for anything like it was full they filled up that whole convention center which is crazy
0: yeah there was not much space to move around
2: no we attempted at one point to find a table to to sit down and play some board games and we couldn't find any like there were no tables available like that's never happened at a PAX for me
1: oh that happens at PAX East all the time Oh, does it? Yeah, no, this isn't my first time at PAX East. For some reason, I get super lucky, and like three days before the convention starts, somebody gives me tickets. (laughs) So it's been awesome for the past couple of years. Um, But yeah, so this is kind of how we roll on the East Coast here, which I know is new for you guys coming from down in Aussie. Yeah. The convention has always slammed. We got there at about 10.30, doors opened at 10, and we waited an hour outside to be able to get into the place, Um, just in line to get through security, which is insane.
0: Yeah, but... Panels start then.
1: Yeah, panels do start then. I mean, it's, it's PAX. If you want to be in there on time, you're showing up at 8 o'clock in the morning to be the first one in line. You know, it's just kind of how it rolls. Mm. But that's why you want to buy multi-day tickets.
0: That's a lot different from PAX Australia, where everybody lines up inside and then gets ushered in all at once.
1: Yeah, I think in the U.S., um, there's a little bit tighter security restrictions that they're trying Definitely. to run everything through. It's not because there's a threat out there, but it's because we're paranoid as hell.
0: <laughs> that does make it very difficult yeah. when you're trying to get several hundred thousand people through three lines of bag checks.
2: Yeah, I don't think we have, we don't have metal detectors or anything at Oz, do we? You just walk no. in. No. I mean, they make you check. Like if you've
1: got fake weapons, they'll make you. Yeah, they do the, the weapons check where you actually get a tag for your fake weapon and everything.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, the it, it snows outside here. Uh, which is a little different because it's freezing. Whereas in Australia, you just sweat to death while you're waiting.
0: Right. Last year, PAX East was held at the end of April, which I think is probably a better time because it's a bit warmer.
2: Okay. I didn't know they shuffled it around like that.
0: I think it's just whenever the convention center is free. Yeah,
1: it wasn't that bad this year. (laughs) Eventually, we'll become locals and we'll stop complaining about it. Yeah, guys. I mean, the temperatures really weren't that bad. I don't think it was below freezing. It was what, like 35 that day? No. No. Something around there? And then with only a slight wind chill for being in Boston?
2: On the Friday, in the morning when we were waiting outside, it was snowing. And we had to wait in the snow. That was a bit... That was cold.
1: (laughs) See, I prefer that to the heat. I don't know. I guess I'm a New Englander.
0: It's probably only about like 80, 85 when you're in PAX Australia.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Would you rather wait in line and be chilly or wait in line and be sweaty and nasty when you finally get inside?
0: But you don't have to wait in line outside. (laughs) I think PAX Australia feels a lot bigger because it's along the river where there are a bunch of restaurants and other things to do. So you don't have to stay within mm. the convention center.
2: Yeah. Uh, that's pretty cool. PAX Prime is like that too, because they don't have one venue that's big enough mm-hmm. to, to contain PAX in Seattle. So it splits across a number of like, uh, there's a convention center there. And there's also a bunch of hotels in the area that have, you know, like you have the, the panel rooms upstairs, say at, at PAX East those would be in a hotel next door kind of thing in, C- in Seattle at least that's how it was when I went I don't know if, if it's moved venues or anything since then but it, it was pretty different in that sense because you, you you had to leave and cross the road she, even up the street I think at one point to get to all the different panels is
1: uh kind of crazy oh wow yeah so they really spread it through a couple of different venues to put it together
2: yeah yeah it just it's too big to contain within one
0: <laughs> they've also extended it to four days yeah
2: well that was in uh that was in 2011. That I was there, so uh, that's six years ago. And like I said, I, I, pa- when I was at PAX East, it, I didn't think it was as big as it is, was this year. So I can't imagine how big PAX Prime is now. Maybe we'll find out in September. Hopefully.
1: Fingers crossed. Oh, hopefully.
0: <laughs> Matt, you mentioned how busy the tabletop area was. Were either of you yes. guys able to play any games? Yeah,
1: um, I was actually able to demo uh, a couple of games, um, one of which I'm super psyched about, and the other uh, I don't think is worth talking about. So. <laughs> All right. Well,
0: maybe we won't mention that that's, one then. That's
1: usually how it goes.
0: What was the good one?
1: Good one is uh, Evolution from North Star Games. These guys mm-hmm. have been around for a while. Um, it's a great company. They produce kind of more of that family-friendly game. They do some of the, the party games, some games a little more focused on slight education, you know, like learning something out of the game, which is kind of cool. Um, evolution. Um, I kickstarted this game when they first launched it, which was quite a few years ago now. Um, so I've been following this game literally from its birth, I guess is the, the best way to put it. Um, and the latest evolution of the game, Evolution, <laughs> um, brings a whole new <laughs> level to it where you're actually talking about climate control. Um, So those of you who don't know what evolution is, uh, it's a game where (laughs) you create creatures um, and you fight over food and you give them different attributes like climbing or herding, hard shell to protect them from carnivores being attacked. The easiest way to explain it, which doesn't explain it at all, is think Spore, put it in a board game and make it more fun.
0: Oh, I love Um, (laughs) Spore.
1: That literally does not tell you how it plays, but it's a cool game. Um, and this concept of, you know, now, in addition to taking it into account for the different carnivores and how people are grabbing food, you also need to take into account for the temperature of the world around you, for the climate itself. Um, it was really cool. It was a really neat aspect and added a, a whole new strategy to what was already an awesome game. So super psyched about the, um, the developers over at North Star. They've always done a great job. And they just kind of keep pushing f- things forward in that direction. So it's really neat to see. Cool.
0: Is it available now?
1: Yeah, Um, so Evolution, uh, the base game is available now. The expansion is available. Uh, This is their second expansion. First one was Flight. So this one actually adds uh, the temperature control aspect. And then their newest one is Evolution Climate. So you can buy Evolution Climate as a standalone. If you're getting into the game now, that's going to be the way to go. There's a conversion kit for those of us who have the original Evolution. And that will just kind of take the cards we have and shift over to this new experience with the game. But if it's your first time getting into the game, just it's North Star Games and you want to look up Evolution Climate Standalone, that one game and you're going to be good to go. It is absolutely fantastic.
2: Cool. Sounds good. We didn't get to play a lot of board games, but we did get to see some pretty badass gaming uh, paraphernalia. And there's a bunch of these there, but my favorite of them was the geek chic tables. Fucking badass gaming tables that like have drawers that pull out and you can attach cup holders and it's got uh, felt lining in it but you can put perspex over the top so you can draw on shit they're awesome
0: and you can buy all those elements individual too so you can modify it way after you've bought it
2: yeah yeah so like if you're like oh my table's pretty good but it could you do with a big badass dungeon masters set up at the end of it well you just buy one and put it on the end
1: you, you literally customize your table from the start with these guys um i've, I've found geek chic i want to say five years ago at boston comic-con um, yeah. i got to tell you, one of the biggest fights of my wedding was trying to get this table put onto the wedding registry, and I lost. Because um, apparently <laughs> I wasn't allowed to put a $4,000 gaming table on the registry, but whatever, that's a fight for another day. Um, when you go to the website, <laughs> I mean, you tailor craft what table you want, what attributes you want on it, the, the different accessories. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I know these guys are backed up on orders, so you do have to wait for it, but the product is unbelievable.
0: Mm. I think they're pretty affordable too. Yeah. They they're so run cool. a bit expensive the more elements you want on yeah. it. But the base model is pretty inexpensive.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, the base models are are great, but you know, I don't I don't go base. <laughs> go big or go home. <laughs> what's the biggest table yeah, you've you got? Know, if you're gonna do it, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. What's the <laughs> biggest table you got? What's everything I could possibly get for it?
0: Not only that, but they're really pretty tables. Oh,
1: they're gorgeous. (laughs) And when you have them closed up, right, when you're not using it as a gaming table, it is an absolutely gorgeous dining room table.
0: Yeah, you can hide your geekiness.
1: I don't know why you would, but you can.
2: (laughs) Exactly. Just buy two of them. Use one to eat off and one to play games off.
0: (laughs) You're going to do that. You may as well just buy a normal table. That's brilliant. Don't
1: bother
2: me with logic.
1: And then if you're going with the gaming table, you got to get all the classy ass stuff. Um, I don't know. How long did you guys spend drooling over the Warmwood stuff?
0: The Warmwood stuff? Oh, <sighs> a while. This was my first time seeing them in person. I picked mm-hmm. one of the dice towers up and it collapsed under pressure. I actually thought I broke it because it's held together by magnets. But I mean, that's awesome because it's, they're all totally customizable. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Every time I see them at a convention, I, I spend at least 20 minutes, half hour, literally just holding and dreaming about using them.
0: Wormwood makes <laughs> dice boxes, dice towers, uh, DM screens, a bunch of stuff for tabletop RPGs. Yeah. And
1: they're amazing. And then kind of following in that same vein as Geek Chic, it's it's all about customization with these guys as well. So mm. um, I know recently they, they had a Kickstarter out for their DM screens, and you were able to custom build which aspects you wanted, which pieces you're putting into it. Um, there's a dice tower that connects into your DM screen, which is just awesome. Um, so it's this, yeah. this whole idea that, you know, Geek Geekdom has really hit high level when people are custom crafting fine woodwork for us to work with, and it's not a generic piece you're going to get. You're going to get what it is you want, exactly how you want it. I mean, it's it's amazing.
0: Yeah, their stuff is great. And you can customize all different types of wood as well. They run a bit expensive, but you're getting a very high quality product.
1: Yeah. They had
2: a Kickstarter recently for, for some of the Dice Towers, if I recall, and I was very interested... But then it was very expensive, so I was like, you know what? Maybe one day. <laughs> I remember like,
0: you DM'd, and I was interested in their DM yeah. screens. <laughs>
1: yeah, they're beautiful. Oh, I've been DMing for a little while, and I am in love with their DM screens. Mm. They're so good. <laughs> but apparently, I need to get a job before I'm allowed to buy stuff like that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's weird rules i know right <laughs> it's like going into debt for college isn't good enough i have to have a job as well and make money
0: so wormwood if uh if you want to sponsor oh, yeah. us
2: yeah i guess we could review them or something
0: we would gladly accept that the three of us actually play tabletop rpgs together i guess we could
2: i guess we could take one if they if they're I insistent mean, about it
0: yeah like stop calling us wormwood yeah <laughs>
1: Yeah, my my phone's been ringing off the hook. Yeah. I mean, these guys know who I am. They've been calling me yeah. every day. They're like, hey, you DM all these great games. You got to use our stuff. I'm like, nah, buddy, I really prefer using crappy cardboard. It's cool.
2: <laughs> One game we did uh, pick up some expansions for while we were there was Joking Hazard, the Cyanide and Happiness game. And we were also lucky enough to get all our stuff signed by... I think everybody involved in the creation of the game, like the guys from Cyanide and Happiness and also everybody involved in creating the game itself.
0: Yeah. And one of the guys who does the cartoon, his signature looks like a dick. So now our card has a little dick on it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. And it's it's a dick signature. Signature. Oh, that's weird. That's, yeah, that's so out of character for Cyanide and Happiness. I know, yeah. right?
0: That is a really fun <laughs> game, though. Listeners, if you haven't played it, um, you should get on that. Mm-hmm. I do think there is the potential for this to go a little bit sour, kind of in the way that Cards Against Humanity does. When you first get it, you play it to death, and then it just isn't as funny as the first few times.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, similar with cards, there's a period where the the shock value of some of the cards that you're playing skews the game a little bit to begin with, but then once everybody Mm -hmm. becomes familiar with what the cards are, then it becomes more about using them cleverly rather than just putting down a card that says pac-man uncontrollably guzzling come and then you win
0: and you can make custom cards in this game too
1: yeah what i loved about that game is that we've added a couple of house rules when i play it um one of the rules as you guys know the way the game plays is you collect the card that you won so you know it tells you how many cards you've won um the rule that we have is that when you collect those cards they have to you have to create a comic strip with it and it has to be a logical comic strip and you can't win the game if the cards you collected don't create a logical strip so it adds like just another element of total goofiness and chaos into the game. Um and it, it's one of those games where you really can, you know, there's a set of rules for it, but you can tweak this all you want and it, it's got a lot of flexibility. Um I think yeah. it's got a lot more flexibility than Cards Against Humanity really does just based off the way it plays.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, right. I agree.
1: Well, from the from the tabletop side of packs, which is really where I spent my majority of time, um, did you guys find? Did, I know you guys were off in the gaming world, the, the video gaming world. Were you? Did you, was there anything else in the tabletop area that you found interesting, or you were able to check out?
2: I did see the the uh, the wizard dice that I
1: backed on Kickstarter.
0: Oh, those are by Polyhero. Yeah,
1: no, I um I got to check those out, and that was one of the things where I was really unhappy that I had zero budget. Um, they were awesome.
0: See, we got these way back when we. Uh when we did have a budget <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah
2: so i got uh, i got the wizard dice uh, so we got two sets of those coming and i also got because because of the kickstarter i got uh, a discount on the the warrior ones as well so these dice are like custom designed in the style of like whatever the class that they're they're all like as in role-playing class like wizard uh the the warrior one they've done before the next one is going to be the rogue i believe and they've also designed a cleric set so like a lot of the 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 mage ones, the wizard ones look like you know like a fireball or a There's magical a, a witch's board.
0: hat,
2: yeah, like a or a potion bottle and, and all that kind of stuff. And the warrior ones, one looks like a shield, one looks like a mace. They're like, but they're they're all your standard you know Dungeons and Dragons seven set of seven dice that you would play with normally. And uh, yeah, they come in a range of different colors, which also I think uh you can vote on the colors on the kickstarter too when they do them um they've done two on kickstarter and the rest of them i believe they plan to do so if you get in when they're doing them you can choose the colors you can choose you know various odds and ends to do with them and they're really awesome
1: now did you guys get to hold the dice at all play with them or do you just kind of see them in passing
2: no they had a set of them uh like like one set out that you could you could actually check and you know like roll and play with it which was cool because i i'd backed them on kickstarter but i'd never actually touched them like i just saw them and was like i want those but (laughs) to actually use them and
1: go oh cool they actually really work and uh,
2: they
0: look really awesome i just don't think they're as heavy as i'm comfortable with
1: that was my one call out on them is that the dice they made are they're plastic based they're not a resin base and so they're a little bit lighter weight and as awesome as they look it Mm -hmm. it it didn't quite feel right to me. You know, I, okay. I'm not saying I don't want them cause I want them cause you know, I'm <laughs> playing an orc fighter and he needs some badass dice, but yeah. the, the weight scale just wasn't, I don't know. It was just, it was missing that little something.
2: Yeah. Fair enough. I think they 3d printed, uh, them first. So, um, I don't know whether they'll be able to adjust for that later or like the ones that were there, I think were production ones though. So I guess they, they're just still that, that format maybe i think that they 3d print the final ones as well because uh 3d printed stuff is very light so maybe that's why
0: yeah i don't know how i feel about 3d printing it's always like deceptively light
2: (laughs) yeah like uh the figurines and stuff that they sell at the conventions that have been 3d printed and you you go to pick it up and like it's way lighter than it should be based on the size of it i think that's all i got for tabletop i mean
0: saturday was probably the busiest day of the convention and we did try to play some board games um we went over there after the show floor had closed because the the tabletop area is open for another what three or four hours but the lines to rent board games it was just like surrounding yeah. the full table like it, it would have taken forever hmm. so we were like yeah we could do this or we could just go home and play a game yeah
2: so we went and played mario golf <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: awesome <laughs> Yeah, no, and, um, at th- this year's convention, I only played a couple of board games. Um, typically, that that's my big thing is going there and getting to demo a lot of games. Uh, that's yeah. actually where I discovered Sentinels of the Multiverse, um, oh, which I think I got you oh, yeah. guys into as well now. Um, yeah. yeah, so that came from PAX, uh, you know, getting the chance to sit down and play. Uh, and actually experience what the games are like before you you spend some money on it. And then because it's me getting addicted and spending way too much money on it is kind of how it works. Um, Oh, and uh, for those of you who do play Sentinels of the Multiverse, they got the foil cards out there for the heroes now, and they are absolutely gorgeous. Um, I wanted to buy a set, but obviously I kick-started the the full expansion with the box for everything. So, you know, hopefully my Oblivion Mm. will be coming in sooner than later, but their cards look amazing. Cool. Yeah, I saw that they had a booth. They had a booth.
2: I think they've had a booth at most of the PAXs.
0: It sucks that Tabletop was so busy this time because it's such a great place to meet other people. Um, like, there are always tournaments going on, yeah. or you can just jump in and join some people playing a game at a table, and it's it's a great way to meet people that enjoy playing tabletop games. Mm.
1: Well, that's why uh, the Philadelphia Convention came into being, really. Uh yeah. You know, PAX Unplugged. Yeah which is coming up in November in Philly. And I'm, I'm super psyched about that. So that's going to be a whole PAX convention really just focused on the tabletop sector. Um, it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how that flows out. It's the, the first time they're doing it.
2: Yeah. I wonder if they'll, they'll split them off uh, or if they'll still, or just kind of maybe shrink down the tabletop stuff. Cause th- there was, I mean, this was, there was so much video game shit at, at this one, like so much they maybe need the space in future for it at East.
1: yeah and um I, I don't know about you guys but for me personally this year as compared to years past it didn't seem as organized um on the floor itself you know years past there seemed to be a very delineated line yeah. here's where tabletop ends here where video game starts and this year it kind of blended together so it made it a little bit harder to work the floor trying to check yeah. out what you wanted to see
0: well yeah usually there's a partition between the two areas but this year there wasn't i think because they were just so stuck for space they just had to open up the entire floor
1: right yeah
2: yeah because there was just so much stuff and like even up the you'd exit kind of out of the video games into tabletop for a moment and then all of a sudden you're back in video games and it's like what the <laughs> i think they were struggling to fit it all in and
0: there were those two aisles down either side of the video game section that kind of got missed because they were so tightly packed and mm. they were almost hidden by the some of the bigger games
2: yeah i know what you mean yeah it-
0: it wasn't even until the last day that we yeah. found those. Like where
1: The prey was in the corner there, and
0: there was like a whole Yeah, I know road. exactly
1: the sections you're talking about. Um, those ones we, I think we just kind of accidentally walked into when we were trying to find a bathroom and suddenly found ourselves on a whole new row of stuff we didn't know was there.
0: I know. On the third day, I was finding yeah. booths, and I was like, I've been over here, and I, I swear I didn't see this.
2: <laughs> yeah, actually, one of my favorite games uh, of, of the whole convention, we saw by accident because we, we wandered in to that, to that area and i just hadn't seen it at which all which game is this that was flipping death oh.
0: the Zoink games
2: switch game it which is a, it's a game that's in it's very early development it's not going to be out until probably next year uh but it's on the switch and i think it's on other platforms as well uh i think they said uh it's going to be on pc and i think ps4 but you play as a, a kind of uh, You're like person a reaper, who has right? died and then taken over the ro- the, yeah, I think you t- you die and you take over the role of the Grim Reaper. Or well, the Grim Reaper is away. I think uh, was the right. premise, and so you have to take over. And you flip between the uh, the afterlife where you can kind of move around, and it's kind of a platform style game when you're in the afterlife. But then you can possess people, and then flip and it flips the world around so that you're in the the you know the living world, and you control people. Like you possess people to to solve puzzles, and so. The, the afterlife is more of a platformer, and then the real world is is like puzzle problem solving, and it's just got really beautiful hand drawn graphics, uh, and the, it was really smooth and it ran really well. I'm surprised that it's like so far from complete because it just looks so great as it was.
0: I love the art style in this. It's very Burton esque.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah. As soon as we walked, as soon as we saw it, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm gonna want to play this. <laughs> so yeah, that's. Uh... Flipping Death by Zoink Games, uh, and again, it's very early, so um, maybe we'll see them at PAX East next year, maybe hopefully with, uh, with the the final version.
1: Now, you said that was for the Switch, right? Nintendo Switch?
2: They were pushing it as a Switch game, but she did say that it was going to be on other platforms, and I'm fairly certain PC and PS4 were amongst them. I don't know about Xbox. This seems... Nobody
0: put stuff out for Xbox. Yeah, I don't
2: know what's going on there. There were a bunch of them that, that like, well, we could talk about it next if you want, Jenna. You're...
0: Oh, yeah, okay. Uh,
2: One of your top tier game developers has a new game coming out. It's not coming out on the Xbox.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. What?
0: (laughs) I spoke to one of the guys from the company Supergiant Games who are behind Bastion and Transistor. Bastion has recently been ported over to the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4, but as of now, there are no plans to bring (laughs) Transistor over to the Xbox or to release their newest game Pyre on the Xbox. He did say it was because they're a very small team and it is a lot of work to port them over. Matt, do you think you could explain that a little bit? Why is it that it's easier to bring stuff out on the PS4?
2: Well, I, I mean, I'm not sure of the specifics. It could be because different companies will provide different incentives for you to do that. So it could be that where Microsoft, uh, and I know I know other companies have had, uh, like I say, I'm not a professional when it comes to this. I just know that other companies have had problems with Microsoft's kind of attitude towards independent developers. And and they've made a big effort with this, you know, ID at Xbox to correct that. I think it could be a case that Sony's giving them kind of investing some effort in and, and potentially money into them releasing the game. Whereas Microsoft is not like, so it's worth it for them to, to make the effort. Does that make sense? Sure. So I know that um, the super meat boy guys had a bad experience with Xbox. Um, Like I said, this is anecdotal. I don't, I don't know any inside baseball kind of stuff about it. I just know that there are a bunch of developers who had a, had a bad experience um, making Xbox games, so they went to it. But I actually, it's also true that I know uh, in the past people have had bad experiences working with Sony. So you know, I think it's just, it's probably just boils down to the specifics of of what those developers were able to arrange.
1: Well, and part of it, when you think about it, if you've got a small team, you've got to focus. Yeah, right. right. Sure. When you've got a small team, you can only focus on so much. And so you're going to pick the developer or the, the company that works best for you and push for that. And if they're working with PS on mm-hmm. one game, they're just going to continue through.
0: Yeah. Well, let's go back to talking about Super Giant Games. We got to play their newest game Pyre at PAX. Yeah, totally. It's an action-based RPG where you play as somebody who is assisting three exiles through Purgatory. Mm-hmm. It's a story-based game that brings in an element of sports as well. It can be single or multiplayer.
2: Yeah, that was surprising.
0: It's a fun little game where you have to get a little orb onto the other player's side. It's kind of like a reverse capture the flag.
2: <laughs> it's a bit like basketball. I heard someone someone while we were there comparing it to basketball, and I was like, "You know yeah, what? It's kind, of. kind of right." It's all about souls and and mystic rituals and stuff. And so it's a neat little wrapping of it it could be a sports game except it's just not because it's not in that context. Yeah, right. You know? I had a lot of fun with the demo.
0: Yeah, so did I. That's coming out later this year, but the release date hasn't been announced yet. I'm here with uh, Darren from Supergiant Games. He is the composer of Bastion and Transistor, along with the new game Pyre. Uh, so I have a question for you regarding the music. Um, some of the most emotional scenes in both Bastion and Transistor kind of like revolve around the music. Like, for instance, Red's voice. With we all become when she loses her voice it's kind of vital to the game um, so like how important a role do you think that music plays in games
3: I, I mean I think the potential for uh, the incorporation of music is very high it just really depends on how integrated it is into the development process I think and, yep. and that's part of why we're able to do things that sort of revolve around musical moments sometimes is because I am involved from the start of the game. I'm on team, so I'm actually, you know, I'm actually part of the development team.
0: Right. So you guys all write it together.
3: So it's all, yeah, it's all sort of done, you know, in, in tandem. Right. Uh, and so I, I think it's it's just as important and just as able to contribute to to that as uh, as you know any other aspect of the game. The art, the design, the mm-hmm. gameplay. I mean, it, it, it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's a critical aspect, just like anything else. Right. Uh, so you
0: think other games can. Like could benefit from from that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a tendency to just bring in a composer at the end right, and be like, here's the game, make some music, and yeah. and then they you know gets put in, and, and that's totally works and is fine. Um, but there's certainly uh, there may be some sort of untapped potential left mm-hmm. on the table when you do it like that. But I mean, uh, uh, of course, you know. On the other, know, other hand, I've other played one. a bunch of games with spectacular music that do that, so yeah. I'm not you know <laughs> I'm not knocking it, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, but that's just not how we tend to do things
0: yeah. um, right. Well, one of my favorite things about your games yeah. is the ability to give a voice to characters that don't have one and a physical presence to characters that only have a voice. Yeah. Uh, like how do you how do you achieve that?
3: Yeah well the, those are both tricky things. Uh, you know <laughs> the mm-hmm. physical presence to characters who don't have a voice I mean we struggle with that. a or with characters who only have a voice. We struggled with that a little bit uh, figuring out how to do that in transistor specifically because we wanted the character the character is present.
0: Right. Who's speaking? He's a major part of the he's a game. Major part of the he's game. My game. favorite character in that game.
3: And yeah, he's uh, so he's very he's definitely present and we wanted to have some sort of physical indication of his presence, which is sort of why we made sure to that we were able to have some sort of uh, Something that corresponded to his speech, mm-hmm. so we we ended up implementing a sort of the sword flashes when he speaks, right. uh, which was a really critical because before that it was just sort of unclear oh, who was even talking and that he was supposed to be there. So, so yeah, I mean definitely we we have to sort of problem solve for that because we don't have characters with mouths animating and we don't have yep. you know we don't we don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, that we have to be creative with uh, trying to find other solutions to that that problem, right. and and as far as trying to uh, give a voice to characters who don't have one, is that sort of was that yeah, the other part of that? because
0: Red is such a strong character, yes. yeah. she never speaks. Yeah,
3: so so part of the trick for that was, I mean, she she doesn't speak, but you get to hear a lot of her sort of uh, internal stuff because <laughs> she has. You're listening to a lot of songs that she has composed mm-hmm. and performed. You know, and, and so you get to hear you know you, you get you get an insight into her creative voice at, at, at the very least, and her actual voice uh, from the singing. Yeah. And then another thing that we we tried to do to pull you inside her head and give her more of a voice was you know the the, the thing that happens in turn mode when the music sort of muffles itself yep, okay. and her humming kicks in. Yep. Uh, we did that both to sort of give a, a meditative. Uh, state to the turn mode, where it's sort of a, a respite from the craziness of the, the real-time combat, yeah. and also to kind of pull you in into her uh, in, internal monologue, if you will, or, or sure. what, what's going through her mind um, uh, in those battles. Right.
0: Okay. Do you, I mean, so both of these games uh, rely heavily on a narrator. Is that something that moving forward you'll still do?
3: Well, so Pyre is a little different. Mm-hmm. Um uh, in terms of how we deliver the story. There's actually a lot more reading yep. in this game, and it's a critical part of the narrative, the, the act of reading. Uh, so, and we do have a uh, sort of announcer-narrator-type character in this game who is also played by Logan Cunningham again, again. this time That's around.
0: Great.
3: Uh, so, But we're delivering the bulk of the story in a pretty different way this time than we ha- did for Transistor or, or Bastion.
0: Is that, because I was wondering, how do you keep the narration from going stale? Is that is that a reason that you chose this way instead? Yeah, I mean, we, we
3: like to try new things and try to keep it fresh for ourselves and interesting and... and... Uh, you know, even even from Bastion to Transistor, even though there was someone talking to you the entire time, yep, again, it was it's a pretty different story delivery mm-hmm. method because instead of an omniscient narrator, it was somebody who was present with you, experiencing right. all this stuff for the first time with you. So, it was certainly a different storytelling challenge the second time around, and, and this time, you know, we're trying to do something different still, and and um, some of our decisions for what we do subsequent to the last thing some of it's based on stuff we feel like we wanted to achieve and didn't or some you know I mean everything informs that decision and comments that we've received and and just our own sort of perception of of how it went and and things we want to try differently next time and and uh, but mostly what defines a lot about our next project is just sort of what everybody on team is sort of preoccupied with and interested in at the time that we start working on it you know because it's, a not, it's not a decision that we make lightly, all that stuff, because it's a thing you're going to have to be working on for three years, so you yep. better like what you're doing.
0: Yeah,
3: right. <laughs> um, and so we all spend a lot of time in pre-production and making sure that we're on a path that is interesting to us yep. uh, for, for the next project.
0: Okay. Now, is there any chance that... We recently saw Bastion come out on the Xbox. Is there any chance that we will see Transistor or Pyre?
3: Uh, t- uh, there is a chance. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, we're not an
0: initial release. Uh, not
3: not at launch. Uh, yeah. We're you know again real, a really small team and and so we don't have a lot of extra hands to do porting and stuff like that. So um, we a- and even if we do hire out some of the porting stuff, it still takes you know attention from from people on team. Mm-hmm. So um, you know. When stuff comes down after this game, I would say it would be the the first possible opportunity for anything like that to happen. But 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 you know, I would love
0: to play Transistor on the Xbox. These are like two of the only games that I've switched to PC for. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: No, I feel you. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we haven't announced anything. And don't have plans right now for anything. But but nothing is out of the question. Basically, okay. we're everything. We're open to everything.
0: Great. Well, I look yeah. forward to Pyre. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Awesome. And yeah, my
3: my pleasure. Yeah, I'm glad you got a chance to play. <laughs>
0: yeah. Thank you. We got to speak to a few Australian developers. It was really awesome to have a whole section devoted to all the Aussie games that we've actually seen and played before. Yeah, the bunch of people we knew, some of the people we've even <laughs> spoke to. It was unexpected. There was SMG Studios. They were the masterminds behind One More Line. Yeah, uh, have you heard of that one, James?
1: No, I haven't heard of that one.
0: Well, you should du- you wait until the end of this episode, and then you should download that. It's very yeah, addictive.
1: It's a. Uh, you mean don't start playing right now, so I stop exactly. listening to everything? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a
2: very simple very addictive mobile game and like i i honestly because i used to catch the train to work in sydney i used to play my 3ds when i got this game and it's ridiculous because it's so simple but all i did was like on the way to work on the way home from work tr- i was trying to beat a hundred because they had like a a special like a club. yeah. If you, you could get over 100 points you were kind of in the cool club yeah i got there eventually <laughs>
0: Well, they've just recently come out with Death Squared, which is available now on the PlayStation 4, Xbox mm-hmm. One, and on PC. It's a really cool multiplayer puzzle game Yeah, with lasers. Yeah, it's like a
2: party game. <laughs> it's like a party puzzle game? Yeah, it's great. All right,
1: that's kind of cool.
0: You have to work together to move your little colored boxes onto color-coordinated uh, squares without falling off the edge or running into a laser or something like that.
2: Mm-hmm. It's a different hazards effect different colors so you're like you might be able to walk through a blue force field because you're blue but somebody like the red character can't go through so you have to work together to navigate these kind of mazes and things
1: that sounds actually really fun
2: yeah it will boost your communication skills i'm sure as you're yelling at each other (laughs) you and your friends highly recommended
0: we also talked to the company house house who are behind push me pull you yes what a terrific game I think we've spoken about it before on the podcast because we love it so much. I
2: think we've talked about it too much,
0: maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it's just such a, such a
2: visceral <laughs> experience. <laughs> Perhaps Trent, uh, who we spoke to, can best explain uh, the game itself. But it's it's kind of a party game as well.
0: So it's a four-player game and two people share one controller and each use one mm. of the joysticks
2: well you want one, one thumbstick. yeah
0: watching people who have not played video games before try to play this is is amazing yeah.
2: it's it's a good it's, it's good fun as a game anyway but it's especially good for a laugh when you give it to people who don't know how to play video games but that's uh that's available now on windows mac linux and playstation 4 uh and we have a short interview uh with trent I'm joined by Trent, and we're going to talk about Push Me Pull You, which, as you will know, is one of our favorite games, any uh, games uh, from Australia. Uh, can you sum up the amazing nature of this game for us, please? <laughs>
4: well, yeah, I guess, I mean, it's... It's kind of like a wrestling game with your friends, right? I mean, yeah. I, I can't do the pitch as much justice as the actual House House crew. Sure. So I'm from League of Geeks. We co-developed this game with them. They did you know all the creative and everything. We just ported it to PS4 and Steam and everything for them. Okay, Helped great. them out with their build pipeline and stuff. Yep. Um. But I know it was definitely a lot to do with friendship. <laughs> yeah. Bringing, bringing people together. I like to say it's gross. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they like that. But <laughs> yeah, it's definitely gross. So the premise
2: of the game is you are kind of conjoined
4: uh, at the waist. Yeah, you're a pimpy. That's uh, what they called. Well, they call it what? A pimpy. A pimpy. All yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that an actual There's, term or is that invented no, for the game? Oh, well, yeah, it's 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 okay. invented for the game, I guess. All all it's right, like cool. a, it's like an acronym of uh, push me pull you. Oh, all right. Cool. So, yeah, that's they that's pimpy. Yeah, that's what they, right, yeah, no, they call know. I didn't know that. So yeah, you play as a pimpy or one head of a pimpy and yeah. you're uh, trying to get this ball and move it to your side of the court. There's a bunch of different modes and everything as you know. Yeah. but yeah.
2: Yeah, and it's, uh, it's one of our favorite party games. Uh, so it's being released. Is,
4: is it out now? It's or is out it... now, yep. It came out last year. Uh, it's, it's, it's out on PS4 and Steam.
2: PS4 and Steam. Right. Is there any plans to bring it to like Xbox or no, uh, any I, other platforms? No, no,
4: that's it. I'm pretty sure we're, we're out. We're done. Uh, the house crew are now moving on to other cool things. Oh,
2: cool. All right. Yeah. All right, awesome. Thanks so much. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Cool. Uh, we talked to the guys from Sleepless Clinic which is uh, a kind of independent developer. They had a bunch of games there, and one that I really enjoyed is a game called Symmetry. It's a uh, a kind of resource management game, in a way, uh, slash adventure slash survival game. It's uh, They described it as similar to This War of Mine, uh, if any of you, if you guys have played that. It's basically your... You're part, you, you control a crew of space explorers who have crash-landed on this planet. Uh, something on the planet is trying to kill them. And basically, they have to survive long enough to experience enough of the story. That Because from what he told me, they will die eventually. <laughs> like, they'll, they will all die. But you want to find out enough about it that you can replay it with, with different characters. Because you have a set of characters to choose from. You replay it a bunch of times, and eventually you figure out what's going on.
0: It kind of reminds me of a visual version of Lifeline.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like I don't know that you you can actually finish the game. Technically, like the finishing the game means you 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 know what the story is now because you've played through it with the different characters, you've experienced all their little pieces of the puzzle to, to figure out what's going on. Um, it was really cool, and you know you you kind of. You've assigned them to do certain tasks throughout the day, and then at nighttime it gets cold, so they have to do different things, like someone has to grow plants in the base, someone has to go collect junk outside. But throughout it all, they have conversations with each other and interact, and you can even... He made me wait till the end of the demo to do this, but, and, and, but there are very good reasons why you would do it, apparently. <laughs> As part of the story, you can just kill them. Like, you can say, okay, this character dies now, and then because of what happens... Is part of the story it's 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 really neat it's called symmetry um it's it's they don't have a release date for it yet but uh check out their website sleeplessclinic.com and have a look it it's really cool i'm definitely going to check it out when it's out
0: one other game that I want to talk about is Pit People by The Behemoth. They were nice enough to invite us over to their press breakfast on Friday morning. Oh, They're yeah. a great company. I loved their other games, Castle Crashers and Battle Block Theater. They have a great mix of humor and a fun gameplay element. I laugh
2: out loud playing them many times.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. When I made you play Battle Block Theater, you were laughing your head off. <laughs> I know. We got to play a little bit of their new game, Pit People. Unfortunately, our headsets weren't working, so I think we lost a little bit of the game with that, Uh, because as I said, they're they're very heavily based in humor.
2: Sure, yeah.
0: So it ended up kind of just being a turn-based game, but I I didn't really know what I was supposed to be doing or why. I would like to play it again under a different setting, because I do really love their games.
2: Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, I, I understood how the game worked, but I didn't know why I was doing things, which... Yeah, I think same. detracted a lot for it. Like I was able to progress, but I just didn't understand why things were happening. So, yeah, I was a little disappointed on that in that sense too.
0: But that's no fault of the developers. That's just, I mean, it was first thing on Friday morning before PAX yeah. even opened. Nice
2: no, first first thing Friday morning at PAX. Technical issues. <laughs> yeah. One other thing I want to mention was uh, James. Do you like Motorhead?
1: I do like Motorhead. Do you
2: like Diablo? Do you like Diablo?
1: I am obsessed with Diablo 3.
2: Well, have I got a game for you. <laughs> There's a game called Victor Vran, and it's like an action RPG kind of Diablo-style game.
0: It's an isometric.
2: Yeah, isometric. And, I mean, and it, it's a good game on its own. However, it also has a new expansion, which is uh, a Motorhead expansion, basically. And it's got Motorhead music, and you play as Lemmy, and it was all done in conjunction with, with them. And I think they, they started it before Lemmy passed away, I believe he said. So, like, it's all licensed and official. And you, you, it's the story of, of Motorhead in a video game that plays like Diablo 3.
1: That's kind of amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, definitely check that out. That's, uh, the, the game itself, Victor Vran, is available now. I think it has been for quite a while. Uh, And the Motorhead expansion is out now on PC, and I think he said it's coming to consoles
1: in fall this year.
0: James, did you get to try out the Switch at all, or have you used one yet?
1: I haven't used one yet. Um, I've been really interested in that. I've got a a friend who works at GameStop who was sending me photos the night it was released of her playing the Nintendo Switch and how amazing it was, Um, and then an hour later was posting how she couldn't connect to the internet with it. So... You know, I've kind of got that that mixed review, (laughs) but uh, if I remember correctly, you guys actually got into the Nintendo Cafe, right? (laughs) So what (laughs) were your thoughts after actually getting that thing in your hands?
0: Nintendo had a booth set up where part of it was a cafe, part of it was an airplane, part of it was a van. It was just to demonstrate all the different areas that you could play the Switch. But I'm pretty undecided about it.
2: Yeah. It's in handheld mode. It's pretty cool. It's like a very powerful console i'll
1: give you this but yeah it's if if i had a commute where i was on a bus or a train it'd be worth it
0: would it though because if you have a 3ds is it worth it to buy a switch
1: i don't know i just i think the idea of being able to take that game i was playing on the commute and just plug it right into my tv when i get home and continue ignoring my wife and playing a video game that's worth something you know Mm. (laughs) like that's kind of cool
2: i agree I agree that the idea of that is very appealing. Except I worry that, because like, I I drive, to, like to work every day, and and then I'm at work, and then I come home. So I there's no kind of place in between where I would stop and play it in portable mode. And then when I get home, I've got an Xbox. So I just don't know that I would use it. You know, I, I like my 3DS. I love my 3DS. It's it's down there in a case that I don't take it out of, you know, and I love it, <laughs> but I it's just. It's packed away. So I'm, I'm, I, I think the Switch would end up the same, where it's like, oh, man, there's my Switch. That thing's great. Anyway, i will play an Xbox game.
0: I don't think the buttons were very comfortable. In portable mode, they're too close together. I don't think I would enjoy playing a game unless I was using the Pro Controller. And in that case, I may as well just use a console. Yeah. Also, I want to kill Nintendo for switching the functionality of the buttons.
1: <sighs> yeah. Wait, what do you mean switching the functionality?
0: So say you wanted to jump off something, what button would you press?
1: Yeah, instinctively, based on a. every other video game. Yeah, you, you press A. And where a. would you find that's, A? That's where you would do. you
2: find A on the controller?
1: A is the bottom of the pyramid. Mm. Is mm. it? It's your, it's, it's your thumb button.
0: Now, if you wanted to cancel out of something, what would you press? You press B. Yeah, right. And where is that?
1: That's right next to, well, I mean, logically, that's right next to A. But right. yeah, it's still a thumb button right next to A. Yeah. It's on the right, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's all on the right side. Cool. Yeah.
0: Now switch those around.
1: It's on the left?
2: I'm saying the the buttons are
0: flipped. No, no, just switch those two buttons around.
1: But why would you you do that?
0: I don't know. Because Nintendo? Because they wanted to make it impossible for anyone who's ever played a video game (laughs) to remember which button does what?
2: So like looking at an Xbox, right? Where the green button is and the red button is? Just swap them. Yeah. For no, for no, for no very no. good reason other than just to be different.
1: Just <laughs> to and then be when Nintendo.
2: it just quickly
0: press A, and I'm like, fuck, which one's A?
2: <laughs> yeah, why is A not where A should be on a controller? And because it's, it's, I mean, with the PlayStation, right? It doesn't. They're different, right? The but the placement is still the same. Like it's X on a PlayStation controller, but it's still the bottom button.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's still the same button. So now they've yeah. they just totally switch that up on you. Aha! Uh-huh, it's the Nintendo yeah. Switch. No.
0: <laughs> no, nope,
1: not liking that
0: yeah so we played a little bit of breath of the wild and there were times uh-huh. that I would just kind of take a plunge off the side of a building to my death because I was trying to <laughs> climb down something or I would open a menu and just keep closing it while yeah. trying to equip something Just, such,
2: I mean maybe there's a way to remap it in the controls I didn't look because we didn't have time for me to fuck around with that because <laughs> we only had a time demo of it but it's just so weird like and frustrating for I mean, surely they know. They've they've played other consoles. They know. Yeah, right. Someone, some we're not
1: the first There's people. There's got to be a way to remap that.
2: Yeah. We're not the first people to, to bring
1: that up, I'm sure. It's like inverted look. You know, old school gamers use inverted look. Newer kids don't use inverted look. And so you've got to have the way to switch it over.
0: Yep. Yeah. I had to switch mine over to inverted look. <laughs> yeah,
1: me too. Me too.
0: So I can confirm that Nintendo does let you do inverted look.
2: <laughs> yeah, Breath of the Wild seems nice uh but i can get it on the wii u so i probably will just and do that probably for now will. yeah
1: and then i'll wait and see what that was actually switch. developed for the wii u right so breath of the wild was developed for the wii u and then when they had the switch they started to port it over and from everything i've heard the graphics and the gameplay is actually better on wii u than getting it on the switch
2: yeah I, it's well it's weird than that too because i heard that there's, there's some slowdown on the wii u but there's also some slowdown on the switch and it's in different areas So I guess they're just better at different things, the two consoles, which is, I don't know, it's kind of weird, but the graphics aren't better on the Switch. It it maybe runs a few frames better most of the time, I think is the consensus. So, and the game is exactly the same. They took the touchscreen functionality out of the game because they knew that the Switch wouldn't have a touchscreen. They're doing some weird things, Nintendo.
0: Yeah. You know, the whole Nintendo online thing, I don't know if you guys have talked about this on the podcast, But it's like a subscription service where you get a game for a month and then they take it away.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. What?
0: Yeah. So you know how Xbox or PlayStation works? Uh, If you have a gold account or whatever it is on PlayStation, you get a game a month or a couple of games a month for free and you get to keep them. I think with Xbox, it's for as long as you have a subscription or the 360 games are just free forever. But the Nintendo, you lose it after Mm. a month. And if you haven't finished it, then you have to buy it
1: mm so they don't give you a free game, they give you what, a demo for a month,
0: yeah, yeah, or like a like a month see, long rental.
2: Microsoft is talking about doing that too uh as like an extra thing so but and in both cases, I think that's really strange,
0: but that's in addition to the free games,
2: oh correct, yeah, so Microsoft's gonna do a thing where you can subscribe and then you get like uh a bunch of games and they they don't rotate every month, so but it's still a little bit bit random from what i understand so like if they put it's mostly gonna be a problem i think with with longer games like say they put red dead redemption on there right and that's the kind of game that i don't have time to finish in a month right but if it's on there for six months that's fine and then they rotate it out maybe i'll get to it i'll have i'll have time but still such a weird concept like
0: i wouldn't think that they would put games like that on there though
2: "Ah, it's just weird yeah well that would be weird (laughs) except to entice you to
1: buy them I'm kind of, I kind of like that though. So, you know, personally the situation I'm in, I I don't have money for video games. It just doesn't happen anymore. But if I can play a small fee and get a couple of extra games every month, have them switch out, I'd probably be totally down for that. You know, this, uh, I just downloaded evolve, which is a game I always wanted, but never wanted to pay for. And I'm super psyched with Microsoft and the free games they've been doing. It's not always a stellar game, but once every three months, you're going to get something that you love out of it. So it's totally worth it.
0: They give out some pretty good games on there.
1: Yeah. They definitely. really do.
0: They do a lot that I'm like, damn, I just bought that game months ago.
2: <laughs> yeah. I bought the new Tomb Raider and then it was just free. And I was like, God damn it.
0: <laughs> or uh, Murdered Soul Suspect. Oh, yeah. Hey, I liked that game. I love that game.
1: I tried to play that game. Couldn't do it.
2: Aww. Um. The other thing we tested out on the, Wii U, uh, on the Wii U, sorry, on the Nintendo Switch was Mario Kart. And it's kind of the same game, except it has this weird little feature that, that <laughs> Where we it plays the
0: game for you
2: yeah and i except luke right luke i said this to luke and he goes oh thank god finally what and i was like <laughs> i was like what and you know what he said he goes to that gaming bar in canberra all the time and mm-hmm. he plays mario kart there all the time and he said all always somebody gets up and leaves in the middle of a race right oh. and then the race can't end because they're just sat there. And he was like, <laughs> "Like his, his use case, I mean, it's the only example I can think of, but but I was like, oh, all right, fine then.
0: <laughs> Do you remember when we tried to get our niece to play it? It was like 45 yeah. minutes of her just slamming into walls and us ripping uh-huh. <laughs> our hair out.
2: <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Luke's, I think, figured out what that's for. So basically, it... it, it like you probably won't you won't win the race unless everybody just puts the controllers down but you don't just stop if you don't hold down the accelerator he'll your character will just
0: well there is no accelerator
2: right you just uh use the drifting to pick up speed and stuff like that but you uh you will just complete the circuit at a safe speed if you just sit the controller under the desk or whatever which yeah I thought it was weird luke said that and i went oh all right i guess that makes sense
0: but are we really gearing a use games towards playing in bars
2: Fucking, <laughs> okay, i don't know what nintendo's up to wouldn't surprise me <laughs> we tried some vr you want to talk about that
0: oh yeah james have you played any vr
1: yeah a buddy of mine has got uh both the vive and the oculus um so i've played quite a bit of vr uh absolutely love it um I think there's only one time when I've really gotten motion sickness out of it. And that was, yeah, that was an interesting time. But yeah, I mean, the, so far the games <laughs> I've played have been fantastic. What game
0: was that? Um,
1: I wish I could remember the name of it. Uh, piloting a spaceship. Um, so you were um, a starfighter. Um, and it, it was, uh, like the game was absolutely oh, okay. killer. Well, like elite dangerous or something. Maybe. I'll, uh, I'll see if I can pull That's that up game. real quick and confirm that for you. Um, but yeah, like after cool. like five minutes of that game, I was ready to toss my lunch.
0: <laughs> that is something that I was worried about playing VR because I do get motion sickness uh, mostly with uh, FPSs. I haven't really found that VR does that to me, though, I think because I have peripheral vision and because I know where I'm about to look. It just doesn't affect me as much as I thought it would. Right. But watching other people play. Ugh.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, I only get motion sickness when there's extreme movement happening all around me. But the body's not doing it. You know, it's not. Right. Um, right. If it's a first person shooter, it's not an issue. If it's a puzzle game, it's not an issue. You know, it's only when the ship I'm in is doing barrel rolls and loops and my body's yeah, not. Yeah, you're not that's, moving. That's where it gets to me. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we played a couple of excellent VR games. One of my favorites was Dick Wild because it's called Dick Wild for starters. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and also it was great. It's a, a shooter, basically. I'm joined by Joachim, the uh, the mind behind Dick Wild, which is a VR shooting experience. Yep. Uh, what can you tell us about the game?
5: So right now it's it's an arcade shooter uh, about this this guy called Dick Wild, who is the guy who takes care of your lake if if it's invaded by by sea monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you call this guy and then he shows up and then he takes care of it. Yeah. Um, so what you do is you're standing on this raft and a lot of I love sea monsters like alligators and all that stuff is like coming against you. Uh-huh. And then what you have to do is so you have to use whatever in this arsenal of weapons to to destroy them before they destroy you. Yeah. So yeah. That's that's basically it.
2: So you got, there's a, a number of weapons you can choose from. Uh, like, was the revolvers are the kind of standard, is that right?
5: Yeah, so we have uh, the revolvers, which is like, it's the easiest one to get, it's the easiest one to understand. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's like aim, shoot, to kill. Uh-huh. And then we have uh, the grenade launcher, which mm-hmm. is like you launch out a grenade and you can explode it midair with the other hand. Yeah. And you can change it into, you can, you can change mode on the, a lot of the weapons. Right. And for this one, you can change it into a uh, missile launcher. Uh-huh. Oh, cool. Which you can also explode in the air. <laughs> uh, what do you have more? We have uh, we have the bow. Oh, the, I thought you used the bow. The bow's fun. Yeah, so the, the bow, yeah, you, can, you can take it back and then you can, uh, it's, like a, it's like a chain lightning gun yeah. at the same time. Um, what do we have more? We have uh, we have the nail guns, yep. which is uh, you have two different modes. We have like the like the sniping mode where it goes into single fire, mm-hmm. they shoot slower, yep. and then the other one is like full automatic, where it has a lot of recoil. Yeah. So you have to like kind of aim against that. Okay. Uh, then you have the paintball guns, which is like burst fire mode. Right. And if you shoot too fast with them, like the gold meter, like the air meter goes down, and then it starts shooting less. Less, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So have a lot of different kind of weapons. Yeah. Seven, seven different weapons so far. It's,
2: it feels really good yeah. to, to play. Like, did you how did you spend a lot of time like kind of achieving that? Like, how difficult? Yeah. is it? Like, it's very responsive and it feels very natural.
5: Thank you. Like we, we used a lot of time doing that. Like uh, we used three months of of getting up the the prototype for the game. And in the start, we had a lot of stuff that you were throwing around it. Right. And it was fun, but it wasn't really that good. Yeah. So we, we kind of like, okay, we needed to get some, some weapons to shoot. And we tried out, like, a ton of different... Say, I don't know how many, like, hundreds <laughs> of different things. And then we iterate every day. We have been uh, working on this game so far for, like, three months. Right. After the the period of that three months, so it's six months in total. Yeah. But the first three months was... Uh, me and, and two other uh, two interns, right. just getting the the prototype up, and then three months after that of of getting uh, yeah until here, awesome. uh, which is pretty fast. But it, we are really really like a lot of testing, and yeah. our game designer has been really really good at, at getting the weapons up there, so it's nice.
2: So is the game available now?
5: It's available at March thirty. Okay, March
2: 30.
5: it will be uh, available for Oculus and Vive on Steam Store.
2: Is there any plans? Uh, I see playstation vr any plans for like this wouldn't run on like an xbox one or anything right you need like a scorpio or whatever the next thing is
5: yeah probably yeah yeah and then we need to like make the version of it and all that stuff as well um which is also the the reason why playstation vr is is gonna be later on right okay
2: uh
5: i don't know when but okay but this year okay so pc with oculus and and vive yes Cool. indeed
2: all right thanks so much and and i really love this game and i'm gonna buy it nice cool
6: (laughs)
0: i played rock band in vr at the alienware booth oh yeah and at first i was like oh man this is not going to be rock band i don't know what this is going to be and when i put the headset on i'm not going to be able to see my guitar or where the buttons are and i don't know why it surprised me to look down and see that the guitar was there and when i press the buttons they light up yeah like
2: it was really cool it just puts a virtual guitar there that you can look at (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. And you're on stage and you can turn around and see the drummer and the rest of the band next to you and the singer. And you look out and the audience is all screaming for you. It is so cool. <laughs>
2: yeah, it looks pretty good.
0: And I think they've tried to make it a little more realistic as and well.
2: It, it, it's it functionally a bit different, right?
0: I only played a little demo, but I think it gives you a little bit more freedom. So it doesn't matter how you strum as long as you stay in time. Right. And the chords are a little bit different to play. Okay. It was pretty cool, and it's coming out very soon, um, just this week. It's coming out on the Oculus, and it's only $70, which is not bad. I think it comes with the guitar. Right. So you just have cool. to have an Oculus.
1: <laughs> I just can't believe they're still making rock band games.
0: <laughs> I know, right?
2: <laughs> I felt bad because the guy was like, oh, do you do you like these games? And I was like, ah, no, actually, I don't. And he was like, oh, that's okay. I work for Alienware, not, not Harmonix. So. harmonics.
1: <laughs> <laughs> How oh, good. So that's not insulting at all. Don't worry. No. <laughs> Did you guys check out uh, Samurai Punk at all while you were there? Of course.
0: Yeah, we actually know them from Australia.
1: So I, I walked past it, I but was... I didn't get a chance to really do anything with it. Can, w- what is that game all about?
2: Yeah, Samurai Punk. Well, Nick, we know from Australia, they've been at a bunch of conventions in Sydney showing off their game screen cheat. Uh, they once challenged, sorry, Luke challenged Nick once to a game of screen cheat and, and, uh, it got a, bit, got a bit tense in there because uh, it seemed like Luke was going to beat him. This time they were showing their new VR experience. It was called The American Dream. Uh, it's about guns. And we interviewed Nick about it. And it's probably best if he explains it himself. I'm here with Nicholas from Samurai Punk and I've just had the extreme pleasure of experiencing The American Dream.
6: Thanks, man. I'm glad you
2: enjoyed it. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, it's... Basically about how to ex- how to enjoy your guns, yep. uh, as an American. Now, as an Australian, uh, what inspired you to to experience or to help others experience the American dream?
6: <laughs> so it's actually uh, came out of a lot of introspection, playing and making FPS games uh, through our production on Screen Sheet, and then moving into our next project, we were like thinking a lot about FPS games that we could make. Not that we want to make an FPS game, just that like we would come up with designs and be we like, why? why are we discussing an FPS game with such minutiae and like the fetishism around the mechanics was very surreal to us yeah. as we sort of became self-aware. So we're like, wouldn't it be interesting to make a game about what the Call of Duty guy does when he goes home at night? Right. You know? Yeah. So he has he interacts with the world through guns uh, and never talks. <laughs> so what, what do they do? How do they express themselves in the world? Right.
2: Because yeah, your hands are just literally
6: guns. Yeah, you don't even have hands in our game. You, you, unlike most VR shooters, you don't have like a ghost representation of the hand holding the gun. Right. You just have the gun. Yeah. yeah. You
2: do have a nose, yes. which was a nice touch.
6: Well, that's actually an experimental test to improve motion sickness. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. As soon as I put it on, I, I actually I was like, oh, that's weird. I'm not used to that. Yeah. Like when I when I do these things, it's no, it's nice. It's a nice touch. Um, the controls feel really good. Yep. It's Thanks. very
6: responsive. Um,
2: the uh, it, it, It's the final game. We'll, can, we'll have more... Because it's kind of a series of mini-games, sort uh,
6: of. Yeah, so every level kind of has bespoke mechanics. Yeah. Uh, but most... We start to try to reuse mechanics uh, or introduce, like, specific mechanics for specific guns, like the rifle, the assault rifle, or right. shotgun, or pistols. Uh, so they let us explore different territories. Most of them are basically, like, constructing jokes... Yeah. ...around these guns or um, telling a narrative element so this the demo we're showing is very high level and doesn't reveal any of the narrative
2: oh okay cool
6: so it's just setting the tone the space and the ideal is that over the two and a half hours of gameplay you'll sort of get a feel for what we're trying to do with the game okay yeah
2: awesome so there'll be more guns more more
6: things to shoot more (laughs) experience yes yeah um what uh just coming out later this year yeah we're aiming for q3 Cool. And
2: what platforms will that be on?
6: Uh, PlayStation VR, Oculus and Vive Awesome, alright, well, thank you very much for your no time worries. And letting us play uh, the game Yeah, thanks for playing
2: That's Nick, from Samurai Punk He's a cool dude Say hi to him at a convention, tell him multiple Nergasms sent you uh, We tried one other VR experience uh, Which was It's actually an experience It's not necessarily really a game uh, It was made by a company Called SciPop and it was called Kismet
0: Psypop isn't even a game company, actually. They are a commercial company, and they've won a lot of awards for companies like Coke and MTV. Um, So Kismet is kind of just a demonstration of what they're able to do with graphics and with VR. It is really beautiful, though. It's a gorgeous experience. You go to a fortune teller, and she will Mm -hmm. either read your cards or the stars. You're in her caravan, and you have full 360 vision. Yeah
2: and sound also.
0: She's got a little cat in there that kind of interacts with you. It's it's really incredible. She'll
2: she'll do like a tarot card reading and the cards are all individually animated. Cuz you can move around inside the space. You, you can get right in close to the cards and look the very fine detailed animation on the tarot cards and sound as well. It's got spatial sound, so uh, there's a s- noises associated with the tarot cards like what's happening on the card. So as you if you leaning closer to them, you can hear that. As you turn around, you can hear You know what's going on in the in the cart differently and then when she does the star reading the whole thing turns into like uh planetarium and it's got a very elaborate working model of the solar system that kind of rotates and you can like again you can lean in and check out all the detail on that like this thing's beautiful
0: yeah it is my only problem with vr is that it kind of takes away all of your senses and you forget where you are yeah
2: it's a good thing But also a weird Yeah, but why is that a problem?
0: It's just a little weird to be at a convention when that happens. Yeah. (laughs) I felt very
2: self-conscious a couple of times playing these games.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to get you guys to my buddy's house so we can set up a couple of them. Um, Because he's got multiple VR sets, uh, we're actually able to play a lot of the games together. Um, Like Arizona Desert, it's a zombie first-person shooter. So you can be in two rooms right next to each other on VR shooting zombies in the heads. Um, and it's really cool, but you know, for us, it's, um, the danger with VR is not that your senses are blocked off, but it's setting up the area so that when your senses are blocked off, you don't things like do things like walk downstairs or trip over chairs. (laughs) Yeah, right. right.
2: (laughs) You need like a guide.
1: And it, I mean, in the VR headsets it exists, you know, you've got, when you get to the edge of the mapped out area, it shows you what's going on. So it's not a danger, you know, for for people who haven't tried it, it's not like you're going to walk into this thing and you're just you're walking around blind totally blacked out you know it actually maps out where you are sets up a perimeter and when you get close to the perimeter it shows up on the screen so you know what's going on
2: that's cool well we checked out a bunch of panels as well while we were there um we didn't actually get to to go to all the panels we wanted to
0: i know but we did get to watch the ones that we missed on twitch
1: yeah you guys made it to the gearbox panel right
0: yeah we did oh yeah that is a great (laughs) panel
1: so what's going on with them because um I'm obsessed with Gearbox.
2: (laughs) Listeners, if you're at PAX or any other convention and Gearbox is having a panel, go to it. Even if you don't like Gearbox, just go. It's the best panel. Just do it. Every panel I've been to, they've given out something that is like some ridiculous thing that you wouldn't expect to be given just for turning up to a panel. Like We've gotten um, the full first season of Tales of the Borderlands in the past. We've gotten the Krieg, the Psycho expansion for Borderlands 2 in the past. This time, they were handing out the deluxe edition of Battleborn and a key for the new Bulletstorm remake. I mean, if that's not enough incentive to get along to a gearbox panel next time, I don't know what is. But not only that, um, Randy gave a a talk. He actually gave it at GDC just earlier and he decided to to do it again at PAX because he thought people would be interested. He basically presented Borderlands 3, but since they haven't announced it yet, he he couldn't say that it was Borderlands 3. So,
0: (laughs) he did say, "You know what game this is." I'm I'm not going to
2: say it, but you know what this is. (laughs) Uh, So that's, I think that's that's what they're working on, or one of the things they're working on. So, how do
1: you present a game without presenting the game?
2: Well, he was actually presenting the technology. That was that was the kind of the basis of the talk was the advances that they've made on top of Unreal Engine 4 to allow them to do, you know, the kind of cell shaded look of Borderlands in a much more advanced and sophisticated way so he showed us a bunch of test stuff and was like yeah 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 you know what it is let's just pretend that that you don't know what that is and it's just a demo of the tech but it was borderlands it's borderlands 3 and uh yeah so he was displaying the tech but in doing so he also showed us what the game's going to look like and it looks awesome that's just going to it's beautiful he
0: said it's no secret that they're working on it he's just not ready to officially announce the game yet
2: Yeah, which is weird, but, you know.
1: I really hope Bunkers and Badasses makes a return. That was the, hands down, (laughs) the best expansion for any game I've ever played.
2: We actually
0: just bought it in the Xbox sale so that we can get to that expansion.
2: Yeah, I bought the expansion ages uh ago, but I never actually got (laughs) around to playing it. So,
1: As D&D players, I can't believe you guys haven't played that one before. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I know. know. Ridiculous.
0: Uh, Speaking of D&D, we went to the Acquisitions Incorporated live D&D panel at PAX, the players are yes. Mike and Jerry from Penny Arcade. They're the guys who write the comic and started the whole convention. There is Morgan Webb, who's kind of an online gamer.
2: Yeah, she's like a presenter.
0: She's a former host from G4. And lastly, Chris Straub, who Matt, you're familiar with.
2: Uh, Chris Straub is a, he's a comic artist. He he did uh, Chainsaw Suit, and he's done. Uh, he's he's been a guest artist on Penny Arcade a bunch of times. Uh, he's kind of a comedian slash comic artist. He's a very funny, cool guy.
0: The game is DM'd by Chris Perkins, who actually works for Wizards of the Coast. He's an amazing DM. Mm -hmm. He's so good at keeping them focused without railroading them. Yeah. It's a group of comedians, so they get off topic pretty Mm -hmm. easily.
2: Yeah, he keeps them focused because they had like a two and a half hour slot, right? To kind of get from the beginning to the end of this chunk of game. And he's very good at making sure that they get there. (laughs) You know what I mean?
1: yeah but doing it in a way where the players don't feel as they're being pushed through they're getting to do right. what they want to do yeah it doesn't seem like he's yeah no
2: it's, he's not saying hurry up hurry up hurry up but he is but he's doing it in a clever dungeon mastery way <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's it's uh, DMing is probably one of the hardest things you can do. You know, you offhandedly mention that maybe there's a spelling bee, and suddenly your players want to spend three hours at the spelling bee. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful like when crazy you make, things uh, can happen. Yeah, like that.
0: Listeners, if you're wondering what that's about, Multiple Nerdgasm has a Star Wars RPG available on Twitch. <laughs>
1: yeah, if
2: you're interested in hearing that fucking disaster. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the acquisition zinc panel is great. If you, I think even if you don't. You're not that familiar with Dungeons and Dragons. It's it's good for a laugh anyway, because those guys are just so funny and and the story's interesting. Like Perkins is a great DM. It's it's a just a really good panel.
0: It's funny hearing people in the audience yell out like, No, that's the wrong spell or no, it should be forty four.
2: Yep. And then they ignore them because it's who cares?
0: <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Don't tell Chris Perkins how to play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as we mentioned, a bunch of the panels were streamed on Twitch. Uh, if, you, if you're going to check those out, uh, I would recommend you check out the Penny Arcade Q&A. That was really good. They're always really funny, entertaining, and they answer people's questions. Some of them are lighthearted. Some of them are quite serious. It's always good for a laugh and also a bit of insight. Um, the Mass Effect Andromeda panel, uh, I would actually skip, to be honest. If you're if you're gonna play the game this That's week,
0: it was a really disappointing panel. It was full of developers with all this knowledge, and all they did was play the game.
2: Yeah, and I mean, people asked some some okay questions. I mean, if you're super into it, maybe it's worth skipping ahead to the Q and A at the end. But overall, I was really disappointed in the panel. They didn't really do anything. They just, I mean, they showed the game. They played the game, and people, and you could watch them play the game. But I mean, you can do that in a couple of days anyway. The CD Project Red Gwent panel was excellent. Uh, I know that's definitely up on Twitch because I—that's uh, where I I watched it because we couldn't get into it, <laughs> um, and it was a really, really good panel. It's really interesting and very funny as well. Those guys have a really good sense of humor. I would recommend you check that out. Check out the Gearbox panel. Uh, check out Acquisition Zinc, and uh, the Omegathon final round. Uh, the Omegathon, for those who don't know, every packs uh, when you buy a badge, they ask you, do you want to be considered for entry in the Omegathon? They pick. Uh, a bunch of attendees at random and you compete in a ladder of various video game related challenges not necessarily even video games themselves i think sometimes it's tabletop too actually just game channel challenges uh you compete and then at the on the final day the last thing is the omegathon final round where the um the last two teams this time actually they've been doing teams lately
0: um well now we know what the final game was they needed teams for that
2: right exactly. Yeah, the final this time was Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, which is, uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a fucking great game. Such a good it game. It was
0: amazing. <laughs> it was so tense to watch. <laughs> yeah. And everybody in the audience can see what's happening, but they want to help, but they can't. And they're like, oh, I'll just cut <laughs> the yellow wire.
2: <laughs> so the game, basically, one person is, uh, in this case, it was done with virtual reality, but I don't think it ha- it doesn't have to be. You could just be at a computer as well. One person is playing the game, I guess, uh, and the other person who can't see the screen and shouldn't be able to see the screen has a manual on how to disarm a bomb. And so the person controlling the game has to describe the bomb to the other person who then has to tell them how to disarm it. That's that's basically it. And uh, it gets increasingly more difficult and with more advanced elaborate bombs. And uh, I think it's on, it's on mobile and... and vr and and everything right this game yeah you you just get it anywhere yeah it's a great game and it was a really good final round it was very tense uh and very funny so i would check that out on the uh twitch stream as well
0: i do want to thank asylum gaming and esports for inviting us along to the after party on friday night at laugh boston Mm. they had an open bar which was awesome they had some beer pong tables set up and a bunch of consoles with emulators on them yeah so we got to play a bunch of old games. We played some Life Force, which is my yeah, favorite we're... game on the Nintendo, and some Mario Golf, and we met a few <laughs> people. It was a great time.
2: Yeah, it was a good night. Yeah, big thanks to them. We appreciate it. That was fun.
0: And a huge thank you to Penny Arcade for yes. sending us the media passes.
2: Yeah, we've been covering PAX Oz for a bit, and, uh, and Luke will continue that, uh, and we're happy to be covering PAX here. And big thanks to them for letting us. Uh, big thanks again to our sponsors, as always, Public. Uh if you head to multiplenerdgasm.com slash merch, you can check out our t-shirts. They do our merch for us. Uh, and when I say t-shirts, they do t-shirts, they do hoodies, they do laptop sleeves, they do notebooks, they do all sorts of stuff. Uh, and they do our stuff. And if you go to our store, we also curate a collection of other designs that they have as well. They've got all sorts of nerdy designs. They've got Witcher stuff. They've got uh, probably some Borderlands stuff. They've got- They've
0: got old arcade stuff. Yeah.
2: Uh, anything you can think of, really, type it into the search box uh, and you'll probably find a cool shirt. Uh, and they're also having a sale this week. So uh, if if you get in quickly when you hear this, um, I think t-shirts are going to be down to $14 from 20 and everything everything else is reduced as well. Definitely check that out. Multiplenerdgasm.com slash merch. If you go through that URL, they'll know we sent you and they'll help support the show. So we really appreciate it.
0: And if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook at Multiple Nerdgasm, Twitter at MNerdgasm, Instagram at Multiple Nerdgasm, or you can email us, podcast at multiplenergasm.com.
2: Or you can call James on his mobile. <laughs> 401.
1: Uh, <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that last plug.
0: Thank you, James, for coming on the show. <laughs> and thank you guys for listening. Go and check out multiplenerdgasm.com for our weekly podcast that Matt does with our other hosts, Luke and Dan, or you can listen to our horror movie podcast, Necronominom, that Matt and I do that comes out once a month, Mm -hmm. or check back here because we do lots of coverage of live events. Thank you for listening, and thank you, PAX.